welcome back to the podcast. I uh, join you here from the floor of my room. Um, Because I don't know if you guys caught it in the last two episodes that I released, but my laptop was too close to my microphone and it was making popping noises. And I searched the end of the Google Earth to sort on what the problem with that is. And apparently I need my mic further away from my computer, which I cannot access on my specific podcast table. So I've taken to sitting on the floor so that I can get more distance from my laptop. Um, so sorry about that. But for those of you who didn't listen to last um, two episodes of the podcast, I appreciate it. It was actually a really fun thing for me to record me into film. I think it's the most time me and my sister have ever spent together not arguing um but it actually genuinely had a lot of of knowledge and shit i think that needs to be more you know easily accessed for people um and just a lot of you know our common misconceptions that we see on a daily basis and how that affects just who we are so if you haven't had a chance to check that out i uh, would really appreciate it if you do lots of very interesting things um, but we are sort of back to our regular scheduled program, which is me uh, talking nonsense for a couple of hours. Although in the past couple of months, which I have been uh, taking a break from my podcast, many eventful things have happened, many sad things mostly. Um, and so I would just like to take some time to talk about those things um, specifically let's first touch on the Olympic Games. Now, there's nothing that brings me more joy and emotion than the Olympic Games. I don't know what it is. I don't I don't watch a quarter of these sports. My, my sports mainly that I watch on a regular basis stick towards basketball, volleyball, sometimes hockey. Maybe I'll throw a Blue Jays game on. But I really don't dabble in too many sports. Um, because it just... There's nothing quite as exciting as every fucking country throwing in the best they got into a pool and see who can, like, swim like a butterfly across, like, 100 meters the fastest. And it was so exciting, so emotional. I don't think I've I've ever cried so much in my life. I think I cried the most in the past two weeks ever since maybe, like, my birth week. Because I have a feeling that that's kind of like, I'm trying to compare the most cry-evoking weeks of my life. And really, the only thing I compare it to is the week of my birth. And although I don't have my parental figures around me to confirm, I can imagine that was a cried-filled week. But the Olympic Games, nothing short of amazing. If you miss them, shame on you. Shame on you. There is nothing that brings the world together more than getting their best athletes and pitting them against each other to win recycled pieces of metal to just bring so much joy who would have thought who would have thought competition brings unity maybe it does maybe it doesn't it definitely made me still you know cheer for a lot of countries that i you know may never have even fucking remembered or which sounds bad but it's sort of the truth or it's a fun. It's 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 like if I was to two weeks ago before the Olympic Games, you put me in a room and you said, Sydney, I need you to write down as many countries in the world, I would have lost my mind. I would have been embarrassed by the list I created. It would have it would have been sad because it wouldn't have been a lot of countries. Now, today, you put me in that room, I'm ASIN tests left, right, and center. Okay? I'm writing pages and pages of countries. And you know what? Even on top of that, I got their flags for you. So it was really like a fun little, I wouldn't say geography test, because if you asked me to like point them out on a, on a globe, I would start crying. But it was, you know, it's kind of fun to be like, woo, I'm going to cheer for, you know, some random country. And so there's just some great moments uh, for Canada. Um, congrats to the women of Canada, because you really pulled it out. I don't think... Oh, I don't know if that was the right term to use, <laughs> but Canada had a great Olympic Games. So fun to watch the women dominate the medals. Um, absolutely, positively perfect. Canada having the first open 
non-binary trans human to receive a medal which was gold so just like congratulations to the women's soccer team and congratulations to quinn absolutely fucking incredible that we can have somebody who is out there living with who they are 100 percent and the entire world and especially canada can see that on a huge scale and um you know the kids at home and the teenagers at home and the fucking grown adults watching these games and watching such a young and inspiring person out there kicking soccer's ass and bringing home a gold medal so congratulations to the canadian women's team soccer team and specifically quinn because you fucking inspired a lot of people um and you were amazing next exciting news for canada specifically is our boy justin trudeau has called a federal election to be happening on september 20th 2021 which is first of all exciting for me because it's the first election i'll get to vote in um and exciting for a, a large chunk of th those of you who have turned uh, 18 since the last election for you to get a chance to vote and for you to get a chance to you know um stand up for what you believe in and what you want to see the country develop into it's interesting that justin has called this election considering our last election was just in 2019 and we are also still in the midst of a pandemic um we're looking right now at canada having 71.43 percent of its population having the first dose of the vaccine and 61.88 percent are fully vaccinated of the population um which is uh sort of impressive it, we definitely rolled out vaccines and we definitely got a large chunk of the population vaccinated very quickly which is great i know for me um i feel so fucking safe and so much like less anxiety written being fully vaccinated um it was definitely something that i didn't know when it was going to happen when we were first getting the vaccines uh in canada we were slow to get them i mean you know we watched the united states all get fully vaccinated before a lot of us had our first shot as it went uh, as it rolled out to the most uh, needing populations first and as a 19 year old i was at the bottom of the list of who was going to get the vaccine fair enough um but at this point, uh, everyone essentially has access to the vaccine who can get it. Uh, it's for everybody 12 and older here in Canada. Um, but that doesn't eliminate the fact that COVID is still an issue. Even if you are fully vaccinated, you are not Im immune to the vaccine or to the sorry to COVID. Uh, we're seeing a large increase in the Delta variant. Uh, which is scary because your vaccine protects you from COVID and when different variants and as the um, as it changes and as it evolves, the vaccines that we did get to protect us become less and less effective. I'm not someone who knows a lot about science, nor do I claim a lot about knowing a lot about science, but I think it's super important for you to get slightly educated on the vaccine and on COVID as it changes and as it evolves, as it will continue to do if we do not get the population vaccinated. Um, it's impressive that we seem to have gotten this much of the country vaccinated. And at this point, to me, it seems that whoever um, wanted to get vaccinated is vaccinated. We have a handful of the population who is slightly unsure and that's why they're not getting the vaccine vaccine and then we have this chunk of the population who is completely and utterly anti-vax um and let's just dive into that real quickly reason number one Which reason number one, I want to punch you all in the face. But here's what I have to say. You getting the vaccine personal. Is it a personal choice? Yes. 
Does it have great effect on the rest of the population? Absolutely. So this isn't, we're past the point of you saying that I don't want to get this thing, this vaccine because it's dangerous to me. Now, I'm obviously not talking about the percentage of the population who is autoimmune compromised and who physically cannot get the vaccine for, you know, their reasons that are completely medical. I'm talking about the people who don't want to get the vaccine because they're scared. And that's that's what it is, right? I, I On the basis of it, everybody who is anti-vax is afraid of getting the vaccine. That's just facts. That makes you angry. It proves even more that you're afraid of getting the vaccine. And as I said, although you do have the choice, understand that this is not just about you. Your actions and your choice to get the vaccine affects each and every single person in our population, those who are vaccinated, those who cannot get vaccinated, and our entire chunk of our population under 12 who is extremely at risk because they don't know and we don't know when they're ever going to be able to get vaccinated. And it can be absolutely terrifying. I understand your, if you're parents of children under 12, how utterly terrifying it is that you really if you get the vaccine, you've done what you can done and your child's life and your child's access right now to education and on uh, whatever affects, you know, as we don't get vaccinated, education is extremely affected at this point. But, you know, your the safety of your child is at risk because this group population refuses to get the vaccine. Uh, so I say to you at this point, read anything okay stop getting your your sources from facebook and stop reading into these conspiracy theories because you just sound stupid and you are risking every single person in this country's life life and covid is dangerous it was always dangerous and it will continue to be a dangerous thing just because you are young just because you think that you are you know quote-unquote healthy and you have the ability to beat COVID if you do get it doesn't mean that doesn't affect people if you do get COVID. You could completely recover from COVID 100%. Cool. Doesn't mean that that you having COVID and you spreading COVID and, you know, spreading this disease and, you know, doesn't affect everyone around you because it does. I'll tell you that right now it fucking does. And especially, obviously, the spread is completely dangerous. But also, even if you do survive COVID, does not mean you won't have long-term health effects that we don't know about. Um, for those of you who just think COVID is a cold, clearly it's not. Uh, it got to a pandemic status for a reason. Um, and we're very lucky to be in Canada and to be in a country where we can quarantine in our own houses and we can still, you know, afford to buy PPE and um, disinfectants to be able to keep our homes and our public spaces as safe and as clean as possible to t still be able to resume a somewhat normal life. There's other countries in the world who don't have that access, who don't have that money, who don't have all of the organizations we have in place here so how would you feel being in a different position that you are like take yourself out of your life um and just realize how your decisions can be affecting other people i would like to quickly dive into some conspiracy theories because these are utterly hilarious um truly there's nothing, and I, I, you have to laugh about these things, even though it's not fucking funny because it, 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 it's still affecting people. But there's a couple of conspiracy theories that people have developed from the vaccine that I would just like to chat about. First thing people are saying is that the vaccine is also simultaneously putting a microchip into your body um, along with, you know, when you get vaccinated, they put the needle in, shoot, in shoots a microchip. First and foremost, hey, you're not that important to be microchipped, okay? 
I would get it if you're on FBI's like radar. We don't have and I want to say FBI. If you're on like the government's radar, you're a dangerous like murderer or like terrorist. I understand why they would want to microchip you. But like you yourself aren't really that valuable where they need to be microchipping you. They don't need to microchip you because you also carry around your cell phone in your hand, in your pocket, 24-7, that has tracking abilities they can track you on, uh, as well as your, uh, you know, your laptops and your Apple Watches and everything. So if they really did want to track you and they really did want to have a microchip, the closest thing that they- they already have, you know, that technology. They also could just, like, put a microchip in you and, like, you can't fight it. We, they would, like, you know what I mean? Am I making any sense? All I have to say is you are not that important where they need to be microchipping you. So get over yourself. Okay? There's no microchip in the vaccine. And also, second point, and this is one of my favorites. If they were microchipping us, why would they microchip the percentage of the population who followed government regulations to get the COVID vaccine? Right? This follows the same premise of people who think the vaccine is killing you right why from a whole if i am the government and i decide we need to murder a percentage of the population because of unknown reasons right which by the way the planet already did (laughs) that's what covid's here in the first place you know the covid did wipe out a number of percentage of the population There's no need to bring in the vaccine to kill more people because COVID already did that. Um, But if you think the vaccine is killing you, why? Why, 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 why would the government choose to kill the percentage of people who willingly followed their recommendations? Right? Because if I'm the government, I'm not going to kill the people who followed it. Right? Like I said, if you if I started a cult, let's per se, I start a cult and I have, you know, a hundred members in my cult, the last thing that I'm gonna do is kill the members of my cult because then I cannot then I have no more cult, then I have no more following, and I have no one else to spread my message of cultness. Right? Are we understanding what I'm putting down here? So if they really did want to kill a percentage of the population, their goal would be kill the percentage that is not listening to the government by not getting the vaccine. Which is essentially what is happening because you didn't get the vaccine and now you're dying of COVID, right? You do understand that your fight for anti-vax really doesn't stand very tall when you all start dying. You, you kind of fucked yourself over in the logic there, bud. Um. Hmm. Right. Ugh. Anyways. How does the COVID and the COVID vaccine bleed into our federal election? Great question. The I don't want to make an assumption, but I will. The anti-vaxxers are most likely conservative voting people. Why? Because right now, the conservatives are the only political party who have not outright said that they think that the vaccine should be mandatory for federal jobs. And what I mean by that is the liberals and the NDP have said, if you want to work for the federal government, specifically, like, it's then you need to be vaccinated. It's mandatory. None of them have said it's mandatory to be vaccinated to live in this country but they have said to work for the federal government as well as travel on a plane or a train back and forth between different countries okay now Aaron O'Toole the leader of the conservative party is the only major party who has not said that it would be mandatory in the same way the others have so that's your only piece of what the anti-vaxxers are holding on to um, he says, and let me get the quote up here, because it's actually kind of funny. Oh, no. I didn't. Essentially, Aaron O'Toole, he was saying, like, uh, I don't have the exact quote, but he essentially said, we don't need to make it mandatory, we just need to educate people. Which, 
if you really read into that quote, essentially, from my ears, hearing that, what would the education be except for defending the vaccine? Because that would be the only thing. But anyways, that's what people are holding on to. Also, traditionally, the conservative party, due to its name, is typically more conservative, meaning that they are typically a little bit lean a little bit more conservative meaning they're a little bit more into the religious views and i don't mean religious views but often people who are like anti-vaxxers and or anti-masks say they have some sort of biblical quote to like back up why they think that they shouldn't have to do either of those things which historically well they're Aaron O'Toole is a Catholic and everyone fucking believes in Jesus in the House of Commons. But traditionally, they have more conservative views, aka, I, I hear conservative, I hear uh, racist, homophobic, you know, all of the bad words. Aaron O'Toole himself, though, is he a bad person? Yeah, all pol politicians are. But him personally, in terms of a morally okay person is about closely as good as you can get for the conservative parties he's spoken out saying that he supports the lgbtqia plus community he's spoken out that he's pro-choice um you know he, he those kind of views there's there's no one th well that's what he says uh, to the people i don't know if it's the truth but he has fairly moral views in that sense. and But he has more conservative views when it comes to the money and the economy and the taxing and the blah, 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 blah. So is he outward, outwardly racist? Maybe. He doesn't. He actually did. He is the only leader as well out of the three that didn't openly acknowledge systemic racism in our country, which I would uh, relate to uneducated and racist. But hey, our prime minister did blackface, so he's also racist. It's kind of what I think about when I think about voting for the election, and what I always say to people is Justin Trudeau, Aaron O'Toole, Jugmeet Singh. The leaders of our three main political parties they are just essentially the face of the company right and all politicians due to the nature of their job are not the most trustworthy or morally okay people because they're just the face of the company right it's not like justin trudeau his own personal views are the ones that he's voting for. It's essentially what his entire party backs. If that makes any sense. So, like, it's not like, you know, if Justin Trudeau said, you know, if he was... I'm sure, I just shouldn't speculate, but, like, if that makes sense. You're not supposed to like politicians. This is what I always say to people. You're not supposed to be like, oh, I, hey, I really like this Justin Trudeau guy. Because he did a lot of shitty things to get where he is. And so did every single other politician. You know, they are not known for being completely morally great people. Because they have to do a lot of shitty things. It's just the truth. Right? Uh, a lot of not pretty things. Now. With the election coming up, what you will see is all of the leaders of these parties will release their platforms. And what that means is essentially a list of things that they would attempt to do if they were elected to be prime minister. So each of these people will come out with these things. So the liberals will come out with their platform. Justin Trudeau will say, hey, I'm looking to do X, Y, Z. Here it is. It won't be probably anything surprising. It'll be probably similar to his 2019 platform because he hasn't been able to get anything done, blah, 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 with also incorporating our new issues, aka COVID, systemic racism, the genocide of indigenous people and their culture. You know, th those sort of things we're also looking at right now, like our biggest crisis 
currently is climate crisis as well as affordable housing and affordable food and everything that we look at politically wise has been accelerated and has been extremely altered due to the pandemic everyone's struggling right that's the that's that's currently the status that we're in but i don't think that we'll see any radical ideas from justin that we have not seen before if that makes sense um i currently in my hand have aaron o'toole's leader of the conservative parties platform uh that i researched from global news that i'll be getting to and then we'll wait and see what jugmeet singh has to say on his thing um first and foremost i say to you this first and foremost go right now and make sure that you are signed up and eligible to vote as I just physically stated in terms of your vote, every vote does matter. It does really count because it's not how many votes a person gets that matters, if that makes sense. Um, it's about the seats. So when you're voting, your one vote does matter because you may not be affecting the percentages drastically of what parties get but you could be affecting each seat in the government which is crucial when it comes to voting so although let's say for example you are you know ndp and you believe that no matter what your vote does ndp is not going to get majority i agree with you i very much doubt that any uh, one of these political parties will get majority seat like majority vote of the house of commons I just don't think that's where we are politically wise in our country at the moment. It's so divided and it's fairly even statistically when it comes to these parties that it's very rare that we're going to see one of them get majority. The election's in five weeks. So as the next five weeks progress, we'll see the numbers change. But it all fucking comes down to you getting off your ass on September 20th, going and fucking voting. It's crucial. And it's huge for our current age group, 18 to 24 bracket. You are setting an example for future generations to come. I think if you're past 25 and you've never voted before in your life, odds you vote are very low. But if you're 18, 19, 20, 20, 22, 23, 24, and you're new to the whole ability to vote, it's crucial that you get in there and you get your thing and you make sure that your voice matters because every vote counts. And there's a huge percentage of that population that can make a difference. I have a couple statistics here. In the last 2019 election, of the age group to 18 to 24, out of the 2,772,468 citizens eligible to vote, only 53.9% of you did, which isn't a lot, right? Canada isn't a country that has a super high um, percentage of voting. I believe it's 60-ish percentage, usually what we see of who votes, but there is so much more of you guys who are eligible to vote and aren't doing it right and of that 53.9 percent that's a decrease of three percent from the 2015 election all right so get on to the canadian website check where you're gonna vote not to throw a conspiracy theory in here but justin trudeau is holding the election very close to the beginning of the school year so for those of you who are moving out of your local town to go to school in a different city make sure you get onto elections canada make sure you know that you can confirm you can vote in the city that you're living in at the time of the election you know i get a part of that percentage of the population who is not um voting could be because of that issue there's a bunch of little um things that affect uh your ability to vote so like if you're not 
well, there's a bunch of little things that can go wrong for you. So make sure you're getting ahead of your time. You're finding out where you can vote in your city, signing up, making sure that you have the documentation that you need, making sure that you have, I believe you, I was just looking at it before, and you can vote in the city that you're from with your address on your ID, or you can vote in the city that you are currently occupying if you're at school. So for me, for example, I'm from Peterborough. I go to school in London, Ontario. So I'm going to make sure that when I'm in London, in September 20th, while I'm in school, that I find a location in London that I'm eligible to vote in. Okay? Getting this done ahead of plan, people, will save you so much stress. Go check it out. There will be so much coming up in the next few weeks of how you're eligible to do that. But go right now to Elections Canada. Get that information that you need. Because there is almost 50% of that people who don't vote. And you fucking can. It's not very hard. Um, and it's, it's, it's very frustrating that people would sit in this country, sit there and complain and then go on and on and on about what's going on in the country when you didn't even get off your ass, walk into a polling thing and take five minutes to vote. For those of you who understandably are concerned about going into vote because of the current pandemic. I get you. I will. I just looked at it there. Obviously, people who are working in the elections both are using proper proper PPE. They have just invested in polling booths, um, stationary. So things like every person will get their own pen that they dispose of. They're doing. They're uh, taking a lot of steps to make sure that going in person and voting in person is as safe as possible. If you are still apprehensive about going in person, no problem. There's an ability to send in your mail-in votes. That is something that you are going to have to look into before the day of the election. <laughs> right? So go on to Elections Canada if you'd want to vote mail-in. Go sign up for that. Okay? There's also tons of opportunities to vote early. If for some reason you're in unavailable to vote during the 12 hours that the election or that the polls are open on September 20th. There are abilities for you to vote early, especially to my kids in university. There is often places that you can go to vote early because you may be occupied during the day of the 20th because of school. Um, I know in last election, there was ability to vote early for the students. So please, 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 I beg of you, sign up to vote. And also, if you're like, oh my god, I have no fucking idea who to vote for, I urge you, do not just vote for the people that your parents vote for. Go look at each and every single person's platform. Think about what is most important to you. Think about what is imp what you think is most important for the country moving forward. And the next, could be two to five years before we see another election, Find what you think is crucial. Find the party that has those things in their platform and vote for them. Again, it's a platform. It's not a guarantee it's going to get done if you vote for them. Okay? It really is a, hey, we're going to try to do this. So it's not guaranteed that things are going to happen. But you'll notice that there is a lot of similarities between the parties of uh, things that they're going to do. But there's going to be a distinction on certain things. For an example, I'm going to dive right into Aaron O'Toole's plan, platform, what I have to say about it, what I think it doesn't touch on. And uh, for you, next week on the podcast, hopefully uh, we'll see Justin Trudeau's platform as well as Jugmeet Singh's platform. Okay? I will be sharing those with you guys. I don't even need, you don't even need to go look it up because I'm going to share it with you right on this podcast. So, join me to look at these platforms, we'll talk about it, and we'll, uh, we'll see what aligns with you. Again, you're voting for the party that you believe in, okay? Even if you have spent, in my, I talk about, I'll talk, I won't say what my parents voted for, but growing up, I knew which political party my parents voted for, right? And when you're a kid... And you see all the signs on the streets, on the front lawns of political parties, you know, and you know what your parents for. You can be very blind to what that party or other parties are really 
awfully. So, use your own brain. Don't follow your, maybe you maybe you'll realize when you do look at, you know, each party's platform, you may be aligned with your parents, but you may also be very different. Great part about this fucking election is that it's a secret. You don't have to tell your parents who the fuck you vote for, right? Just like just like I say about the vaccine, if your parents are against using the vaccine, you don't gotta tell them. You can go get it and sh- it's a secret. Nobody knows. It's the only person who knows is your immunization records. So if your parents are really, really, really aggressively uh, supporting one party and you're kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like that party and you vote for someone else, guess what? It's a secret. You don't have to tell them. But find your own voice, find your own brain, find what works for you and get your ass off the motherfucking couch and vote. All right? Okay, Aaron O'Toole, my god, this is actually the first time I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this platform. I've yet to look at it. Um, uh, oh, ooh, ooh, sorry, my mic moved there. Um, disclaimer, the promises of this platform have yet to be costed by the parliamentary budget officer. This is a process that verifies that the math of the underpinning price tag attached to the campaign commitments read that straight from the website so that's nice to hear for those of you who don't know i can't the parties can't just be like oh i'm gonna end world hunger um because the fucking people are gonna be like oh with what money are you gonna do that why buy right so these promises are under uh the examination that they can actually be funded for so they can't be making outlandish promises this is an overview of uh his plan so it's just uh, basically picking out the important pieces because it's a very long platform but this is the one that he had talked about so his planned to win the canadian votes in the upcoming federal election he states that first of all securing the future of this great country begins with canadian canada's recovery plan First thing that we're looking at that he is dedicating his time and effort to is the price of carbon. Woohoo! How exciting is that, kids? Pretty exciting. Now, we are saying, he says, even if Canadians vote conservative, they can still expect to see a price on carbon. That is because the conservatives have promised to scrap liberal leader Justin Trudeau's carbon price and replace it with their own $20 per ton, but instead of this money going into federal banks, it would land each Canadian personal law carbon savings account through its point card style system. If that didn't make any sense to you, that's okay. Okay? No worries there. But essentially, they're creating um, an account that will list the prices of products and the money that can be spent on them, which will help Canadians live, quote-unquote, a greener life, like a bike pass or a, a bike or a bus pass. The Conservatives yet to specify what will be exactly on this list. Again, sorry, this is, uh, the election was actually said to be happening a couple days ago. This was off the press two hours ago. Outline of their plan. Um, but essentially this will put a price on carbon for consumers without putting one penny towards the government. Great, great work there for you, buddy. Next thing that he is going with is the GST holiday. Under the conservative plan, the Canadians will also like, would also take a vacation from paying GST this fall. Now this, I found this quite interesting. For those of you who don't understand taxes, let me break it down for you. Currently, in Ont- specifically Ontario, that's where I live, that's where I'm going to break down. Ontario is HST, which stands for Homogenized Tax, Sales Tax, which is just the 13% tax that you pay on basically everything. Now, that used to be broken down into a federal tax 
and a provincial tax. Now they have been combined to form HST. Okay? Um, the GST, which is your um, goods and services tax, is a federal tax, and this is what that is breaking down. So he says, under the conservative plan, the Canadians would like to take a vacation from paying GST this fall. The Tory government, for those of you who don't know, if you get confused, the Tory government is the conservatives. They sometimes go by Tory for a bit of flair. Don't let, I'm not going to let you get confused this year. I'm not going to let you get it. Tories equal conservatives. They would like to select a month-long period this fall where Canadians would not have to pay any federal sales tax on retail goods. Again, retail goods only. Just so we're clear. And we continue. There are thousands of small and medium-sized businesses in hospitality, tourism, and restaurants hanging on by a thread. He says the government plan will help these businesses, quote-unquote, thrive, which in turn will help us in a growing economy. Okay, so we're looking at a month-long break where the small businesses will uh, get a break on paying GST, essentially, and help them, you know, with their struggles due to the pandemic, right? So, next up on his list is cell phone and internet. The Conservatives win the federal election. O'Toole has promised that his government will take, quote-unquote, real action to make cell phones and internet services more affordable. He says the Canadians continue to pay some of the highest prices in the world in accessing internet both at home and through their mobile devices. A few giant companies have too much power in Canada and people are suffering for it. The party vows to hold a big telecom service provider. Excuse me. Hold the big telecom services accountable for anti-competitive behavior and practices that hurt consumers. That's big, big, big words for essentially the big companies who are just charging as much as they fucking want because there's no limits on how much they, they can charge for it are just charging monstrous amounts. In business, we look at competitive pricing, meaning that if there's two companies and one selling something for a dollar and another one selling it for a dollar oh five, you know, the next one may raise their prices and they can stay you know, competitive by shifting their prices by minuscule amounts. This is saying that it's not on a competitive behavior, that it's just astronomical prices because they can, and there's nowhere else that you can get these internet and cell phone services. So they just continue to rise and rise the prices. Um, so they're essentially going to take real action on those pricings. In big, bold letters here, it says there is one catch. These foreign providers would have to let Canadian companies into their countries, too. So, for sourcing our um, cell phone or internet from foreign countries, we would need to have access to that in order to help any bit at all. To help with internet access, the Conservative Party pledges to connect the entire country through high-speed internet by 2025. The policy echoes one from the Liberals 2019 platform, which sets a national target to high-speed internet to 95% of all Canadian homes by 2026. So this is just uh, essentially taking a little bit more of an aggressive stance on what the Liberals said that they're going to do. The Conservatives say they're going to do it a year quicker and, you know, do it a little bit better, if that makes any sense. Next thing that they are stating here is food prices. In late 2020, the annual food price report warned the average Canadian family can pay an extra $695 for food this year. This is due to factors including the pandemic, wildfires, changes in customer habits. Sorry, and changes in customer habits. Cool. Tools platform touched on this issue with a pledge to increase the maximum fine for price fixing from $24 million to $100 million and promises to introduce criminal penalties for executed... I can't fucking read today. For those who've been found guilty. Okay, so, if you, those of you who don't know, I'll give you an example that happened this pandemic. We all know of the toilet paper disaster of 2020, right? So, what happened in terms of that, which was not proved to happen, because otherwise people would be charged a lot of money, but companies who were all uh, you know selling so quickly out of toilet paper 
there's a law saying that you cannot take a whole shit ton of toilet paper off the shelf, take it to your own thing, and sell it for more money for astronomical prices. So we saw on, like, Amazon where you would see uh, buyers selling rolls of toilet paper for, like, 200 bucks. You can't do that. You know, that's... that's you, making crazy, crazy, crazy amounts of profit off of reselling products. So he's just saying that it's called, that's, that's called price fixing essentially. And they're saying that if anyone does that, we're going to give them a lot more money to pay and they could face criminal penalties. He also said that the conservatives are promised to bring a quote, tough code of contact conduct to the product suppliers to increase competition and increase competition in grocery stores. According to O'Toole, these steps will ensure that Canadians pay lower prices for foods. However, they did not touch on some of the key reasons that food prices are going up as detailed by the food price report, which has included the wildfires and pandemics, nor how we would investigate price fixing. So that essentially says, and, and this is what happened and why this is happening. Amazon is an independent company. So when people were selling toilet paper for astronomical prices on Amazon that's not Amazon's fault because that person was selling independently on their site now they said oh if we find them if we catch them then we'll tell you but there's nothing set in place for them to catch them and investigate that price fixing is what is stated here capiche capiche next the platform touches on Funding fun is, is the title of this one. Sorry. It says, Canadians can also expect some financial incentives to eating at restaurants with, and traveling within the country should the Conservatives take power. This is because the party has vowed to set up a Dine and Discover program, which they say will give Canadians a 50% rebate on food and non-alcoholic drinks provided you dine in restaurants and are doing so between Monday and Wednesday. This is a part of a push to help industries that have been hit hard by the pandemic, including the restaurant and tourism industries. As a part of this effort, the Tories also promised to put in place a, quote, Explore and Support Canada Initiative, which boosts 15% tax credit for vacation expenses up to $1,000 per person in 2022. However, again, our good old boys at the Parliamentary Budget Officers um, finishes costing these promises. There's no telling how effective these funds would be boosting the industries that they are meant to help or whether the help is really worth the, pri worth the price tag. So again, this is just his promises. This is not going to happen. But they are just stating here, you know, how much money are we putting into this issue and how much is it really going to give us back? Capiche? Capiche. Next thing our boy Aaron has touched on is banking costs. The Conservatives said they have a plan to, quote, ensure that Canadians get the banking services they need at a price they can afford, close quote. As a part of this, Aaron O'Toole and his party promise to bring legislation on open banking, a regulatory framework that lets customers decide how to share their banking data with their financial service providers. It can also help facilitate the movement of this information from one institution to another. By bringing this framework, the Conservatives said Canadians will have an easier time accessing their third-party services that can help them find better offers for mortgages, lines of credits, and credit cards. The Liberal government opened the door to open banking, too, when a recent government reported that report provided a blueprint of the implement implementation of open banking. In addition, open banking, uh, in addition to open banking, Conservatives say they'd order competition bureau to investigate banking fees and require more transparency for investment management fees so that quote so seniors and savers don't get ripped off close quote so breaking that down in the dummy turns hope you like my singing i'm just trying to keep this interesting because i bet you happy you were fucking asleep don't be rude but essentially 
he's outlined saying that he is going to look into why there is such high um, tag price tags on your mortgages, lines of credits, and credit cards. Um, for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, read a book. Um, but essentially looking at the interest costs and also just in ensuring that your uh, banking is more private and because lots of people I know have talked to conservative people who are concerned that people are having access to their money in their banking and that's a concerning factor for them. Um, so if that's a concern for you, that's what Aaron O'Toole says. Finally, in I must say, one of the most uh, one, one uh, promising thing here, he says, is $1 raise. For some. <laughs> okay. Uh, another headline grabbing pledge in the conservative is a promise to pay, promise to pay increases. Uh, Aaron O'Toole government would give some making two, $20,000 uh, per year a $1 raise according to their platform. However, this promise is scant on details and stating how it would only help the most in need. Uh, I find this one sort of interesting. Um because I know a lot of conservatives were against the minimum wage increases uh, previously and that's why we, in Ontario, and that's why we seem to have a provincial um, switch in government after uh, Kathleen Wynne raised minimum wage so much. So on a federal basis, it's interesting to see. Again, this is very scarce, um, but you could get a dollar raise if you're making uh, less than twenty thousand dollars per year uh which in my mind would be a majority of people who are working minimum wage jobs so we'll, we'll see how that affects it that that was surprising for me uh on their platform but um it also says here in terms of money 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 the conservatives say will they will double the canadian workers benefit to a maximum of $2,800 for individuals or five grand for in for families, paying it quarterly rather than in a single tax refund at the end of the year. This will put an average of extra of extra $1,000 in the pockets of the most vulnerable workers, helping three and a half million families put food on the table. When conservatives have said they're confident in this math, of course, this will be checked out by our boys at the parliamentary budget officers dun 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 so for those of you let me just quickly dumb that down um canadian workers benefits a tax uh rebate situation that you would get at the end of the year so you do your taxes those who apply uh you know are eligible to get that money they get that money he's saying hey we're going to increase that a little bit and we're also going to pay that um quarterly which is every uh, three months instead of just at the end of the year when you file your taxes. Cool, 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 cool. Next up on their list of promises is childcare. If our boy Aaron O'Toole becomes prime minister, he plans to scrap the Liberals' $30 billion childcare program and instead would turn it into a refundable tax credit, which he said would cover up to 75% of childcare costs for lower income families we are going to help the parents all parents immediately not some six years from now parents know what's best particularly in the flexibility needed for families coming out of the pandemic the liberals have maintained their child care plan would ship child care costs from an average of 50 dollars per day to 10 dollars per day by the end of 2024 which they said would overall save canadians by 10 grand annually so he says we're you know we're gonna chop that that liberals idea right in half make it come to you in a tax credit thing instead of uh you know reducing the fees um by 75 percent instead of what the liberals see here which looks to be about um quick maths less than that sorry that was really professional i hope you enjoyed that Next up on their list of promises is housing prices. The Tory platform highlights housing and a key issue for Canadians. It's time to face the facts, he says, in the housing crisis in Canada. Affording a home to rent or to let buy is slipping out of reach for Canadians across the country. 
In a bid to tackle the issues, conservatives say they will ban all foreign investors from purchasing, purchasing Canadian homes for at least two years as housing prices skyrocket for prospective Canadian homeowners. Conservatively, oh, sorry, that I'm dubbing back. So let's talk quickly about housing prices for those of you who don't really know. If you're, hey, if you're recently turning 18 or you're early in that life, you probably maybe not have looked into buying a house and the way that mortgages work. So let me give you a quick breakdown. And what essentially I imagine he's trying to explain, which I don't necessarily think has... You know what? Let me just keep my personal ideas out of it. When you go to buy a home, you have to go to the bank and get a mortgage because let's say the pricing tag on the house is $500,000. It's very rare that you have $500,000 sitting in your bank account to buy that house. So what you do do is you make a down payment, which typically is about 5% of your house, and you have to pay that outright and then you go to the bank and say, hey, I, I need you to help me pay. We need to set up a plan to pay the rest of it, which is what your mortgage is, which is where you can go get a line of credit from the bank where they say, hey, you know what? We'll pay for that. And me and you will set up a plan where we'll start monthly chipping away at the, you know, rest of the money you owe on the house. But we're going to charge you interest on that. Right. So. You know, let's say you're needing to pay for like, you know, the rest of the $475,000 left on that house, which don't worry, the bank's going to pay for, but they're going to start charging you interest. So eventually what that means after, you know, 50 years and you pay off your line of credit, you would be paying a lot more than $475,000, if that makes sense. So to combat that, the issue is that Housing right now is so unaffordable that it's impossible for people to come up with the down payment, first of all, to even be able to get a house. And the problem with that is that oftentimes your monthly mortgage payment that you have to pay for your line of credit is a lot less than your rent payments would be for an apartment. So for an example, like, for like your four bedroom house, your monthly mortgage payment could be like, you know, $1,200. But to rent like a two bedroom apartment, you could be paying like 1500 bucks a month. So it's essentially cheaper for you to pay your monthly mortgage payments to live in a house. But in order to get that mortgage and to get all of that set up, you have to have the down payment and you have to be able to, you know, have a credit history that will allow the banks to give you a mortgage that had doesn't have a crazy interest cost if that makes any sense so to tackle that he's putting focus on not allowing foreign investors to purchase canadian homes for at least two years to stop the price skyrocketing of the houses okay if that makes sense which i 100 percent agree with him that we're in a housing crisis in canada um is that the way to fix it we'll see how she goes so, as I read this, I had written down a couple of things as I'm reading that. Gee, so, recap. We're talking about each and every single one. We have the price on carbon he touched on, the GST holiday. We have the cell phone and internet prices, food prices, our, uh, what he called funding fun, which is financial incentives for uh, local travel and eating. Banking costs one potential one dollar raises for an unknown population child care costs is being reduced and housing prices being reduced is his platform which i'll give it to the guy is a pretty fair platform he touches on major things that have affected us because of the pandemic specifically housing costs child care food care huge struggles right now now he doesn't touch on much of anything to do with covid the vaccine mass mandates travel restrictions bans he doesn't really touch on that uh which will be interesting to see if he says anything moving forward uh he also talks absolutely nothing about climate crisis so if that's something that you care about you're probably wondering what does he have to 
what does he think about that, right? Uh, he has no, uh, he states no effect on if you're a student cost of universities and colleges. I know that's a super important thing for people um, talking about student debt as well as access to dental medication, all that stuff that OHIP covers um, for people outside of that, if that makes any sense. Uh, he also does not talk on anything to do with Indigenous rights and our Canada's destruction of the Indigenous people and their culture with the genocide. Um, and again, like I said at the beginning, it he has yet to uh, acknowledge our systemic racism in our country. So, for me, those are a couple of things uh, that I would love to know more of what he thinks on that or if he'll even touch on that. Um, so that's his platform. They There will be debates upcoming where they will most likely ask questions that um, will elicit answers that may not be on their platform. Um, so we'll see what he says on that. Uh, again, make a, I, I encourage you to, to make a list of what, before you look at any of these plans and whatever, make a list of what's important to you. Um, if it's anything on his list or anything that was on my list that I don't think he did mention, um, keep that in mind as we dive next week into the NDP's plan as well as the Liberals' plan. We'll see if they do touch on things that he doesn't or they don't include things that he did. Uh, I, again, I, sh congratulations Aaron O'Toole on his platform. It's not a piece of trash, but it's also missing a lot of things that I know a lot of people and communities are struggling with it seems to me as the conservatives always do with the stress of importance of money to the uh white middle class group of people uh, that's, that's my personal opinion i feel often that that is who the conservatives deal out to so they do have a large part of their platform dedicated to low-income peoples and um and helping them with certain costs of life so that's definitely a newer dive for them but for me things like uh like cell phone and internet costs as well as the um potent i'm confused about the potential dollar raise uh it's so vague that it, i can't even barely touch on it um as well as uh the banking costs as well as our, uh, his fund for fun, funding fund. What did he call it? Funding fund. Sorry, I lost it in here. Um, oh, so many fucking pages. Oh, I, okay. It's, it's gone. But the funding fund for me, I, I, I think it's super important for us to put a emphasis on, um, helping local food and tourism industries as they were destroyed by the pandemic. I'm not sure if that's completely going to help them as well as the GST holiday is supposedly supposed to help, um, our, our local tourism industry. We'll see how that affects it again. Obviously that's just what he said. We're waiting on clarification of those things are impossible. And we wait to see what the other political parties say. I've talked for way too fucking long. So that's where I'm going to leave you today. Um, join me as I continue to discuss our federal election and the importance of your vote. And as always, get out there, get vaccinated, you know, have some, I encourage you to have some difficult conversations with your family members who are anti-vax or anti-mask or even politics. It can be a, a, a dangerous route and it can be an aggressive fighting situation um politics can be completely uh, really personal um but i also think that it's not just politics right i think often a lot of times we see a lot of people hide questionable moral views um behind what they call their political stances when a lot of political issues are moral issues um right and even if it you are looking into which political party you're going to side with make sure that you're not just looking out for yourself but also 
to the vulnerable communities um, and for those who aren't as privileged as you are it's not uh, again all about you it's where you want to see the entire country go as a whole and how you want to do your best to help other communities around you and that help can come from which political party you vote for um, so I encourage you to have some uh, interesting discussions with your family maybe bring up um, things that they may not know about to challenge them again to look at who they're voting for looking at parties platforms and and reimagining the way that that they do vote um, because as I say as I continue to live and as I continue to grow my politics and views will change uh, the parties that I vote for may change each and every single election y you need to look at every single thing and find what's best for you you shouldn't be going election after election and voting for this party, the same party, because you liked what they said 25 years ago. You know what I mean? Uh, you don't need to be a part of a political party. All you need to do on September 20th, 2021, is cast your vote. Right? And that should be based on their platform and what they're planning to do right now. Right? Uh, so I hope you have an absolutely fabulous day. Um, and, uh, continue to live your life. Good luck to all of you heading back toward to school in September. I wish you all but the best as we dive back into a mix of in-person learning as well as online learning. Um, good luck to you. Um, and have an absolutely fabulous time until we speak again. Bye. <laughs>